going on everybody is jazz ceo host of industry talk podcast and before i let you listen into one of the hottest episodes the father's day special with my father i want to say thank you to all the fathers out there celebrating father's day who pick up their badge pin it on their chest and do right by it all those who put on the badges who put on the uniforms and do what they're supposed to do help out the community take down the bad guys and show the kids that this industry is not full of the people they see on tv i want to thank you every day for your sacrifice i want to thank you for being great fathers and still going out and risking your lives for other people's children i just want to say thank you and happy father's day to those who create the legacy and continue to push that legacy through the industry i want to thank those who stand up for injustice and i want to thank those who stand up at those bad officers who are making you guys look worse and deal with everything that's going on. I want to thank the guys who and the guys and girls who are standing on the front lines right now during the unrest in America. And I want to say we are with you and we support you and we appreciate you. Enjoy the next episode. going on everybody it is jazz the ceo once again for another episode of industry talk podcast and this time it's a special day it's a father's day episode i's got a daddy so i'm on here today with my daddy hey dad hey how on? you doing you's got a daddy Good. huh I've got a, I've got a daddy. So uh, I'm on here today with my dad. Uh, if you don't know, my dad is a Marine. He is a police officer. And right now we're going to dive into it and just talk about all the things people are talking about right now, which is, you know, being a dad right now, being brown with a badge right now. I mean, this is a good time to have this episode, so make sure y'all listen all the way through, um, and make sure y'all follow the social media, but let's get started. So, Daddy, I'm going to call you Daddy this whole time. So, um, tell the people what made you get into the military, because I, I talk to a lot of vets on here, and I always talk about, okay, what did you take from the military? that you took to your, you know, with you from and, and took to your career and like, how did it set you up for life? So let's start there. What, what made you join and when did you join? The military? Man, that's a long question, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so let's start thinking back, the military was not my first choice. The funny thing is both the jobs that I do you, at, at 14, 15, 16, 17, you could have never told me I would be doing either one of them. So uh-huh. I went in the military to be able to take care of myself so my parents wouldn't have to do it. Yeah. So that's how I got in the military. That's that's it. <laughs> that's how I got in the military. I, I decided I'm going to go in the military. I I want to take care of myself. I don't want my parents to do it. So I, I joined at 19 and never looked back. Joined so, at 19. So uh, the military well, life, what did you take from it? that you took with you into going into the police academy or just law enforcement period? Dis- discipline and work ethic. Um, I think one I thing I like that. about I the, that a lot. So one thing I like about the military every day is, you know, it's pretty much the same thing, the structure. I love structure. Mm-hmm. Um, discipline. When I ask somebody to do something, when you're told to do something, people do it. I mean, it just, yeah. you do it and it works very well. So, those same characters, they they transfer right over into being a police officer, kind of, sort of. I'm going to say kind of, sort of, because the military doesn't <laughs> have so. the problems that the, the, the law enforcement officers have. People kind of lose their way after a while. Some people, not all. Yeah. So well, if you guys haven't realized, my dad is really down to earth. If you met him, a lot of my friends' dad, I don't know if you know this, I think I've told you before, but a lot of my friends be like, he reminds me of a barista because you're the type of guy who just doesn't bring the job home. Like, I don't have those stories. I don't have those stories of, oh, my dad was just this strict military guy and we was getting up and raising the flag kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, so a lot of people don't realize that you don't always have to take the job home. What, what allows you not to take the job home? Like what kind of, what, what makes you do that? It's a mindset. So you and me, uh, and this started when I was in the service, you'll meet a lot of guys who became drill instructors and, you know, or just started going up in the rank and they were bringing it home and they were making their families miserable. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, just, just making their families miserable. So I, I've never wanted to be like that. So work is work. Home is home. So I come home, take the uniform off, the uniform goes in the closet, and that's where it stays until it's time to go to work again. And that carries right over into law enforcement. You go home, you leave work at work, you leave home at home. And, and also that keeps you focused where you are. So if you're at yeah. work, if you're thinking at, thinking about home, you're not focused. Yeah. So you have sometimes to, I feel like some people do that. They, they get into a fight with their wife or their husband or something, and they take it to work with them. And then, you know, it, it carries out the community or the way they treat people that, you know, the way they treat even their partner or something that day, you know, so I think, I think people need to realize that it is mindset. So you have to leave it at home. So you have to leave it at home. Yep. You have to leave that at home because one, you're not focused. You make mistakes when you bring Mm -hmm. home to work, you may not see a gun. You may not see something. You may be looking for a kidnapped kid. And you're thinking about, something that happened at home, you may miss a clue. You, it, it could be anything yeah. you miss. So just leave it where so, it belongs. So, so the advice today, kids, is it's your mindset. And, and I mean, that travels outside of law enforcement, outside of security, anything. It's really your mindset. If you think this is going to be, you thinking bad, it's going to be bad. You're thinking good, you can you can do good. So definitely I, I agree with the mindset thing. And, and um, so I, I want to travel over to basically kind of parallel to mindset is um, attitude. So how does one who's been in law enforcement for a long time, how long, how long have you been in law enforcement? Uh, 17 or 18 years. I can't remember which year this is. Okay, well then you can definitely answer this mm-hmm. question. Like 17 or um, 18 years. If you've been in for 17 years, how is it that you still have a good attitude? How is it that your attitude towards uh, the community you work in or the attitude towards the people you work at, how does it stay, you know, chipper? Like, how does it stay good all the time? Well, it's not that police work stays good, but I, I think a lot of law enforcement departments have lost their way. Uh, I always use this analogy. You ever hear, you ever watch the Andy Griffith show? Oh, <laughs> uh, dad. Uh, I know it's old. I know it's old. Maybe once. Maybe once. Okay. Yeah, maybe. So the sheriff is this little town called Mayberry in North Carolina. It's a fictional town. The sheriff, Andy Griffith, never carries a gun. He knows everybody. In fact, the one drunken town, he he comes and locks himself in a cell every day. And when he sobers <laughs> up, he lets him go. He has a, a deputy sheriff that carries a gun who's he's an idiot, but still, <laughs> he's there. He uh-huh. is the ultimate community police officer to me, Andy Griffin. Uh-huh. So Thank I think a lot of police departments have lost their way as far as no more community policing. A lot of police officers do drive-bys. They never get out their cars. They never talk to people. Or they, never, they don't know the kids in, in the community. They don't know the person that gets up every morning, goes to work, and comes home every day and goes to work. They've lost their way. Yeah. Well, I've tried to keep that. So when I worked for a large department one time, that's what I did. I would come on duty. I would get out my car. I would walk those blocks. I would learn those, the people in the area. I would, I would know who was who and it would keep me from bothering the wrong people. Or if I had a kid yeah. that did something, instead of taking them down to, to central booking or juvenile uh, uh, detention, take his butt home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because so, you knew the community, you knew where you lived. You know the community. So I think yeah. a lot of police departments or police officers have lost that. Get out your car. Stop just driving by and people will be a little more apt to respect you instead of just looking at everybody the same. They'll know, say, let's say if something's going on, like what's going on right now. Oh, that yeah. officer right there. No, nah, he's not like that. You see what I'm saying? The yeah. community would know who's like what, who's who nah, he's yeah. all right. And they respect mm-hmm. them and, but you can't you, you can't be a police from inside your car twenty four seven a day. That's just my philosophy. With with that, the community policing. Do you think that a problem is that a lot of the police who police the communities are either not from the communities or don't empathize or or understand the community that they're mm, in because a, they're not. Yeah, that's a good question. So this is this is my. Yeah, my third department. Okay. So I started out in the city. Mm-hmm. And I've had people from Baltimore City ask me when I worked there, why do they think they get treated so bad by the police? And mm-hmm. my answer would be, 
I think it's your fault. And they would look at me like I was crazy. My, our fault. <laughs> I'm, I said, looking at, I'm looking at the phone right now like you're crazy. Right, 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 right. So in my class, there were 50 people. All right, okay. 10 were from Baltimore. Okay. So with that being said, a lot of people, because of what's happened in the past with police officers in the community, they hate police officers so much that you won't do what you have to do to police your own community. You won't become mm. police officers. You won't assist the police officers. Some of you will help mm -hmm. the criminal before you help the police officer, even though you know the criminal shot somebody that, you, that, that was innocent. But yeah. you won't police your own community. So what you force Baltimore City to do, Baltimore City will go out and get people from other places to come in, and they don't give a damn about Baltimore. Yeah. I'm just going to use Baltimore as an example. They don't give yeah. a damn. They don't, they don't care to learn that there are a lot of row homes here. In the summer, it's hot. And, and a lot of home, rural homes don't have air conditioning, so you sit outside on the stoops. And once the stoops are full, some people might be sitting on the sidewalk. Some people might be standing there. You might be standing. Next thing you hear is, y'all got to roll. Well, I live here. Yeah. yeah. Well, you either got to go inside or you got to roll. Well, it's hot inside. Well, you either got to roll or get arrested for a failure to obey. See, they don't care. They don't care they don't about care. the community. Yeah. So that's... so. To me, technically, it's like two people not caring. You're not caring about your own community and the people right. they bring in because you ain't filled out the application. They right. don't care either. Right. So watch yeah. it. I'm from someplace else. It's just a paycheck to me. Yeah. So, so that's that's how a lot of police officers, to me in my mind. That's but there are a lot of who come here and and do get involved in the community. I liked what I did when I was in Baltimore. Since all police officers are not like that, what can good police officers or police officers who are like that, who do care about the community, what can they do to try to make the other police officers who don't care about the community care? Like what, what is a good police officer supposed to do to a police officer is just rude for no reason or excessive? Like, you know, wh what are you supposed to do as the good police officer? Cause that's what they're trying to sum it up to. Oh, there's, there's not all bad ones. Some are good. So what is the good supposed to do? First of all, I think one of uh, something, well, I was a little, older one time I became a police officer. So mm -hmm. it was a little easier for me to tell someone what I stood for and where I was. Don't do certain things around me or just don't do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's not acceptable to me. Um, yeah, I, I find a lot of younger police officers will have a harder time speaking up. Yeah. You know, but the biggest thing is just speaking up. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, and you know, depending on what it is, you, you, you can't be scared to, to step in. You, you can't be scared to, to say, hey, or, you know, or <laughs> calm somebody down. You can't be scared to do that. I mean, just just like you'll, you're not afraid to put your hands on a, a, um, a citizen to, to help one of your officers. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm true. not I'm, I mean, not put your not put your hands, put your hands on hurt them. But, you know, you might want no, to but you and do whatever, in, in, you know, in an arrest or, you know, yeah, if you, you see can somebody might get carried around, get carried away and chase somebody five blocks and get them and you get them on the ground. You might see them kick them or something like that. Hey, that's me. Hey, I'll do all yeah. that. You know, um, if everybody that's listening doesn't know, we're originally from Buffalo, New York, and there was this Buffalo. officer <laughs> and there, <there's laughs> this, this officer who got fired for interfering. Female. Yeah, so now her case is, they're trying to get her case reopened because um, a permanent pastor in um, Buffalo. She should have never been fired for doing what never. she did. She never should have been fired, but she was. They took her pension. She was fired. And she was what, Dad? She was like 20 years in? 19. She, had her, she was on her 19th year. She was almost 20 years in. She was 19 years in. She got fired from stopping him from choking some guy out. And then he ended up going to jail anyway on federal charges after that for something else. So like, he was a bad cop anyway. He was a bad cop anyway. But what happens? How how does someone who is saving someone from getting hurt, how do they get in trouble to the point where they get fired? Who's making those decisions? Like, I, how does I, that happen? I think it's part of the culture there. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that's been there for a long time. I mean, growing up in Buffalo as a kid, I mean, we didn't trust the cops. Yeah, um, that's why I said this is the last job I figured I would be doing because growing up, they weren't nice to us. They did things they weren't supposed to do. There yeah. were a lot of bad cops. Oh, there were a lot of bad cops. And it's <laughs> just, 
I think over the years, people start out with the intentions on doing good, and they mm-hmm. just let the badge and their position go to their heads. You have to stay humble. You have to remember that, you know, you, you're not a criminal. Yeah, you have to remember you're not a criminal. Yeah. And then sometimes or you have I mean, to remember you, can get little... you do something, you're, you're now a criminal if you do this wrong. Right. And that's what I think I don't get too is that if a criminal did this, that, and a third, you're like, oh, put him away, put him yeah, in jail. Hypocrite. And if somebody, if you do this, now you're like, I can't believe this. Like the, like uh, going back to Buffalo, like the uh, 75 officers who left their post, like, hey, no, we want to be reassigned off this, whatever their squad was. Because the guy pushed the older man down. Well, from he, what I understand, it, it, was, it really wasn't that they quit because the FOP wouldn't back them if something was to happen to them. So it wasn't specifically backing the officer who pushed that. It was specifically because they wouldn't be backed by the FOP. But by the, yeah, by the, by the FOP, if something was to happen to one of them, and so they all okay. stepped down. So, um. I think it's time, you know, you hear a lot of about people talking about defunding or getting rid of police, which I, I think is the most asinine yeah, thing in the world. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's just get right uh, into that. What I, do you think? I, I think it's the most asinine thing in the world. Um, imagine <laughs> defunding or getting rid of the police here. Um, but yeah, I do <laughs> think it's time for 100% revamping of the police department. I think there should be a division within the police mm-hmm. department that does nothing but uh, let's say somebody, let's say you, you work in this division, you have okay. maybe a, a hundred officers assigned to you and your job okay. is to consistently, constantly, every year, check on these officers, their, their record, their, their use of force, um, their mental well-being. You know, if you feel it's time to take them off the street because you're looking at, they're, they're constantly putting their hands on somebody, constantly beating up somebody, mm-hmm. you're looking at the case and you see, eh, it sh- really shouldn't have gone that way. Okay, let's pull him off the street and 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 get them some downtime for a while. Something mm-hmm. somewhere where they're looking at your record. And this shouldn't be just when something happens. This should be an ongoing thing to where you're looking at someone's record and you're you're saying, okay, he's good, he's good. Up oh, here's a problem right here. Let's pull this guy mm-hmm. off the street. Let's see if something is happening in his personal life. Is he having this? It, it, yeah. it, and it should that should be just that division's job. And you can make it civilians. You can make it police officers. You can make it social workers. Sorry. My question is with that is so right now there is nothing that exists like that. What what exactly is eternal affairs? Eternal affairs investigates wrongdoing. Okay. Only when something happens. Yeah, somebody makes a complaint. Internal affairs job is to either find the officer guilty or find them innocent. Mm -hmm. Um there -hmm. there are a lot of false complaints against police officers. There are a lot. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, and there's a lot of police officers who, you know, who who put themselves do in do situations. <laughs> yeah, put themselves in situations. But um yeah. So they're Yeah, they're I, I like that. I like that that creating that division. And and I do think it should be civilians and I think it should be I think it should be mixed up of all those three things. What did you say? Civilians, police, police and, and social workers. <laughs> Social workers, yeah, I think it needs to be all three things because you could probably be saving an officer's life as well as the communities. Because if something's going on in their personal world, I mean, because you do hear a lot about um, police officers who've been on the job a long time beating their wives, kids. Well, I don't know what was happening this year or the end of last year about all those police officers uh-huh. in in New York committing suicide. I mean, it's yeah. just uh, I, I don't know. So, so why are they committing suicide? <laughs> What are they doing? What is driving them to commit suicide? Mm-hmm. So if there was somebody paying attention to the officer, you would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All it, it, the well-being, it, it, like it's like you want them to go out there and do this, that, and the third. They deal with stuff at home. They're still human beings. They have stuff going on before they came to the job, before they filled out the application, and they have stuff going on afterwards. And and I think because my next question was pretty much going to be. What what would be your suggestion? Because everybody's like, okay, defund the police or uh, fire everybody, start all over, 
And, and somebody like me who has a parent who's a police officer, a brother who's in law enforcement. And I, you know, I love I, I love everybody. I'm like, hey, I'm black, but I also love carrying a weapon. I like it, security industry. I like that. So I can't just be like, oh, all police are bad. Oh, F everybody. But what, my question is like me, I was trying to figure out what to do to help. Right. And I think I hit you up maybe last week and I was asking certain questions because I was like, OK, is this a legislation situation? Should we be asking the councilman? I mean, I live in the county, but should we be asking the city councilman? OK, hey, what are you going to do about this? Is there something that you can write up? Is this about use of force? So my next question was going to be like, what would be your suggestion to start helping with this situation? But I, I like, you know, creating this um, band of people who are checking on the officers on a on a regular basis do you think that people would adapt that would would actually do that i don't know well i know they want to do oversight um i I, you know even though i extremely detest uh, maybe i shouldn't say that on the radio (laughs) our president (laughs) so you can say i don't don't think he's I know he just put something in the law. I don't know the the, the specifics of of his thing about um, monitoring Oversight. police officers who who have problems. So he put something in the law so that you can't go from if you do something wrong, go from one department to another. It's a monitoring. System. Yeah, I like that. Whatever that is that he did, I like that because That's I thought that only, in my head. It's a start. It's a start. I just said that to you about the Tamir Rice guy. I was like, yeah. it concerns me that you can have such a huge situation or a situation and then you just go and you can be a police officer somewhere else. I think the whole point of getting fired should be, hey, go be a farmer. Well, go do something else. Well, yeah, yeah well, in our, in our disagreement with that was if, if he's gone through due process mm-hmm. and they found him in, innocent, he yeah. has every right to go someplace else. But yeah, if, you that resign, was, that was if, you if you don't go through the due process and you decide to just resign in lieu of being mm-hmm. terminated or whatever, you shouldn't be able to go someplace else. They were going to fire you and you quit before they fired you to keep your pension or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. that allows you to go someplace else. But if you go through the due process of doing what you're supposed to do and, and they find you innocent and in Sometimes they may just let you go because they think it, it may be too much of a distraction um, yeah. for, for the department and the community. You'll have to go someplace else. And I think you should still be allowed to do that. It is what it is. They've, Even if you did something wrong, in the, because just because they find you innocent doesn't mean you're actually, I mean, look at Zimmerman. He wasn't even a police officer and he got away with doing whatever he did. Yeah, but whether you like it or not, George, George Zimmerman, in, in the eyes of the law, I mean, we feel he's guilty, but whether you like it or not, George Zimmerman is a is an innocent man in the eyes of the innocent law. In the eyes of the law, because right. if, See what I'm and that's was, all that matters. If it was me and I was walking down the street, and some random white guy came and told me I looked suspicious and I felt threatened, what would you tell your kid to do? I guess it depends on the kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> be careful here now you know your son is going to listen to this later too probably <laughs> yeah it, i have to say it depending on the kid i mean okay um, depending on the kid if justin was walking down one. the street i wouldn't want justin walking to take the man and choke him you you list you live I, in a nice neighborhood i would i would tell justin to the same actually i would tell y'all both the same thing do your best to walk away as long as they don't touch you there's always Always, what I've sticking stones or break your bones and words will never hurt you. Just walk away. So, do you think walking? Well, well, we can then go to the Ahmad case. So, running away or walking away doesn't always work if they chase you. As long as they don't touch you. So, what happens if somebody is chasing me down the street? You you saying don't chase me down the street with what? Well, both instances, they both had guns. I think uh, it's it's a hard to say. I mean, if you have to defend yourself, you have to defend yourself. I mean, that's one thing. It is I got a better. I got a better question because this I'm actually afraid of happening. The other things, you know, they're they're not isolated incidents, but they're they're weird incidences. But this, I am definitely afraid of happening. So there's a thing out right now um, with calling nosy white ladies Karen, 
right now. And so the biggest thing for me is that this stuff is like, I work security. I've worked in grocery stores. I've worked in, in clubs. I worked everywhere you can think of with the security. So grocery stores, I see this kind of stuff happening all the time. Just, just people just mind your business. You, You ain't got no reason to talk to these people. This is ridiculous. So Somebody recent a video I recently watched that I've seen multiple times on different scenarios. Basically, the person decides that they didn't like something that this person did, so they stand behind the person's car, not allowing them to with their leave. baby. With, with the lady oh, with yeah, the baby. That's the last video. Yep, that's the last video. So when something like that happens, what do you do? You know what? I love how we're handling it. Let's make them famous. That's I love you, it too. You you wanna you wanna sit there and and call the police? So pull your camera out, video record them. I know it might it might be a little time consuming, depending on what it's you. It's a have little to time do. consuming. But, but, but you I know mean, what? and then you post can- it to the world, and you see what's happening to some of these people. I've seen people lose their jobs, oh, their businesses oh, are going under. Everybody yeah, you, you wanna, is. You, you want to do? Let's make them famous. So put it. There put, was a judge that just got place. fired. A Philadelphia yeah, judge just got fired see? because he, some kids were putting up. Uh, posters like by mm-hmm. a park or something and he came and ripped them down and the kids were like hey this is just because you know we're just saying he's like, i don't care black lives don't matter to me and then i was I like that. sir you know they videotaping you so, <laughs> you can't say that you're a judge you literally rule over black lives all the time some people think their position allows them to do whatever they want and that's not the case you can't well, do okay. and say what you want regular, well you can say what you want but you can't do what you want like, okay, so the back to the struggler thing. That's a regular lady. She don't have no position where she thought that she was. She just so, think in her mind that she's above the law. But the police came and she decided to tell them that uh, she wanted the lady to um, delete the video of her child. The same child she used as a blocker for this lady to leave. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have put your child in that, in that position. But here's and the, the police thing. asked her to delete the video, even though it was evidence of this lady doing the harassment. What are you supposed it. to do? I, you don't have to leave the video. You shouldn't put your child there. If you had minded your own business, and you're talking about something that happened inside the store, because we got something off one of the, we had to stand on one of the shelves to get something, and you gonna mm-hmm. follow me the outside stood on the park, shelves. park, yep. park yourself, park yourself behind my car, and, and think that's. I mean, if you had said, you know, that's what it wasn't right, you know, stand on that. Say what you say, and I'm gonna say what I gotta say. And we can keep don't say nothing to nobody's kids. Mind your business. Yeah. But. You want to stand there and block me and call the police. And police have better things to do. Second of all, I think when you call somebody, I think you should be charged. I well, Como is trying to do that now. Yeah, I think you should be charged. Yeah, I heard. You call the because police over this bull crap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It you know, I, okay, I, I so, watched another so, one today. You know, somebody oh, uh, okay. supposed to live in a uh, 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 lived in a, a neighborhood. Guy, mm-hmm. um, San Francisco, I guess. He painted painted uh, BLM oh, yep. on outside of his house, and uh, yep. a couple and they walked by. They, they said he lived the there for eighteen years. You know, <laughs> and they told him, they told him they knew the owners personally. Yeah, yeah. and he lived there for eighteen years. My really, see, the cops came, didn't say anything, but to me, in my mind, they should have been fine. Mm-hmm. You know why are you call me? Okay, with, with the with the standing behind the car thing, right? So you call you call the cops. Is there something that people can do? Like, is there is there a complaint you can file? Is there is that like false imprisonment, detained? Like, what it? Are you stopping me from leaving? Me and my children, I can't leave. I can't pull forward. I can't pull backward. You're cussing me out. What what happens to that person that does it? Or are they just allowed to to do that? You know, Jasmine, that's a good question because I haven't had that happen to me. I mean, that, to, me, it's like false, to me, it's like false imprisonment or something. You're not letting me go. That's, yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And if I call the police and the police come and I'm like, this person would not let me go. You know, this is definitely false imprisonment. But they don't get in trouble. And I think that's where I'm, I'm left at all. See, because people see, are knocking these people out. There's nothing it, specifically for it, which is why you see Como trying to make a law for it. There's mm, nothing specifically got for it. it. Yeah. So, I mean, other than me rolling up and saying, really? Uh, yeah, saying, man, move. Yeah. And this is you can move now babysitting at this point. Because right. these videos is coming out by the dozens every day. They are losing their minds and they are acting 
like they're unraveling over this stuff. And I mean, uh, my, my mom just sent me a video. I mean, not a video. It was an article on a guy who now claims that he has a mental illness because he got arrested. But he stopped two roofers. They're like door to door salesmen um, two college kids, two black college kids. They were going door to door in the neighborhood um, selling like roofing insurance or something. And he followed them to the other neighbor's house and he asked them for IDs. They showed him the IDs. And then he left and he came back in tactical gear with two guns and had them get on the ground and held them at gunpoint saying that they were Antifa. Wow. That's an interesting one. Yeah. It's getting worse and worse. (laughs) Which is, which is, you know, you know, you know, I don't really like guns. Even though I've been doing uh, yeah. it since I was nineteen, it's, I don't I don't like yeah, let's guns. Talk about that too, Dad. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, me and me talk about that all the time. You've had guns basically since you were nineteen. You've been dealing like with them. guns. So, Why is it that you don't like them? I just don't. Um, I have to use them, but I just don't like them. But you know, here recently, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's getting you to the point where you you think you have to, you know, everybody in the house needs to learn how to use a, a weapon. Um, yeah. Everybody should have a weapon. It's just getting yeah. to that point where sometimes you you, you think this is what is coming through with us. Um, Especially because I feel like the danger, for me, in my opinion, the danger is coming from too many sides at this point. Because people like to say, "Oh, you guys are so upset about the cops. You're so upset about this." But what about black on black crime? In my opinion, it's two separate issues. It definitely is an issue. It is, it is, it is a separate issue because a police officer is sworn to protect you. Exactly. He shouldn't be making exactly. things worse. Now, again, his job is to, to fight that crime that's happening in the, in the community. Exactly. But Not he shouldn't, commit be crime. Adding, he shouldn't be adding to the problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, they're hiring, not, not police officers are human, they make mistakes. Um, yes, yeah. But, but I expect you to use the best common sense in the world. Mm-hmm. And and when I when I train when I used to be a field training officer, one of my first conversations is just because you can do something doesn't mean you always should. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can arrest somebody. Yeah, you can you can arrest little the little kid on a, a block for stealing a candy bar. Yeah, should you you know do you want to put him in the should system you? over a candy bar? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, take his butt home. Yeah. Tell his parents what happened. Now, if he keeps doing it, some of this stuff different. is depression. Yeah, some so, of that so definitely... just use some empathy and sympathy. Just, just use get some get empathy. involved a little more. And yeah, sympathy. I you think know? I think a lot of people lack both things. Yeah, a lot. They they just definitely definitely lack sympathy, and they definitely lack empathy. And I and but you can't teach. You can't really teach that stuff no, either. No, you can't. It's just common sense. Although they, people don't like to hear this, black people are traumatized from the police. <laughs> yeah, people They're don't like to hear that. You, can't, you, you don't like to hear that, you know? Well, yeah. you hear things like, well, they don't, don't do anything it. wrong. Well, just do what it. the police tell you to do. Well, if you, yeah. if, you leave, if you leave your house every day, right? Mm-hmm. Every day to go to work and you're stopped. There was this one guy in Baltimore City stopped. I think it might have been 54 times or something like that. 30 to 54 I think times. I read that article a couple right, years ago. Was, yeah, give yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. He was given a citizen contact form each time. But you've stopped this guy all these times. But if you've gotten out your car and walked in the community, you know he's not a threat to anybody. But people just get to the point where they're tired and they're fed up. George Floyd could have been anybody. He could have been the best mm-hmm. person in the world. He could have been the worst dr- drug dealer in the world. But mm-hmm. because of how he was treated and how he passed, mm-hmm. it, it's just yeah. we just gone. Because it's not even about his background, who he, he is, what he was anybody. in trouble for. It's the fact that we watched the life come out of him. And, and the right fact there. that you put your knee on his neck and thought it was okay mm-hmm. to stand there with nine, nine minutes. And then also you had two one, Hands in two, two new officers. One four days, I guess four days on um, by yeah, itself. The other one was still new. And one of the guys says he states that he asked him, should we sit him up? And his answer was no. So you just put their careers in, in jeopardy, their yeah. lives in jeopardy. You got them you arrested. Want to be, you're right. Got them arrested because you want to be, you know, I, I don't know what he was trying to be. Put your yeah, hands in your pocket. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. It was a very disturbing video. And I think that's what a lot of 
don't get either because I'm on these comments. Like I, I, I follow on my Instagram, on my personal Instagram, I follow a lot of different kinds of people from different kinds of backgrounds and the comments in the posts that they make is very apparent to me that they have never actually talked to a black person about the plight of being a black person in America because of the things they say you can tell that nobody's actually ever spoke to them about this issue because they're saying it like a kid who has never actually had Brussels sprouts. So the kid is like, Brussels sprouts are disgusting. This is gross. I can't believe it. I don't even understand how they're made. It's, it's just like, dude, you. It's not just dude, talking I, to you about it. And you can talk to somebody, you can talk to somebody, but are you listening? Are you listening? That's the key. Are you listening yeah. to what that, yeah. you know, are you listening? If you have a black friend or a black colleague or whatever, I, I've had conversations with two people at work and they didn't, they were a little younger. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, and they've had black friends, but I'm like, well, did you ever go to your black friend's house or his neighborhood and <laughs> sit in his neighborhood and see how things are in Baltimore city? Did you ever go sit on mm-hmm. his porch or, because I always use this analogy too. I, I live where I live. So mm-hmm. I can sit on my porch with a beer. I can stand in front of my in front of my house with a beer and a police officer drives by and go, goes beep beep. And I can hold a beer up and say, Hey, how you doing? But you do that same thing in Baltimore <laughs> city. You're gonna be arrested. Yeah. So yeah. some people don't understand that, um, and then the officer is gonna go home to his house. He's gonna sit on his porch, mm-hmm. and he's gonna might might have a little cookout standing from his house, and nobody's ever gonna bother him. You, this is where yeah. you live. So when they tell you these things happen to to them in their neighborhoods, listen to them. Just because it doesn't it's, happen to you in your neighborhood, just, yeah, exactly, doesn't mean it doesn't happen in their neighborhood. Well, yeah. I also had an officer. I had a, a conversation with an officer about. Uh, people standing on the sidewalk and them telling them to, you know, you, you can't stand there. You got to go. What are the Lord? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can be in your neighborhood, walk, walk down the street, see one of your friends stop and talk to him. Nobody's going to bother him. Well, I don't yeah. want to get, I don't want him to get shot. That's why I move. Yeah, I understand that. But you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't force him off the sidewalk to the point where you about to arrest him because he won't, he, he refuses to move, but this is his yeah. neighborhood. His, to him, he's, he's in the county almost. I mean, to his, his neighborhood, this is how his neighborhood is. So he yeah. can stand on the sidewalk just like you can in the county. So when people yeah. don't want to hear that, you know, they don't they don't listen. So I just don't understand. I just don't understand why they don't just move along. Well, do you have to move along in your neighborhood? You can stand and talk to and do whatever you yeah, want in your neighborhood. Why, why can't do they do it just because they're in the city? So no, you have to listen to what yeah. people are saying. It's, it's not just talk to them, but listen to them. And try to understand what they're saying. Try to walk in that person's shoes as yeah. he's telling you. And they don't. They don't want to do that. They don't. They, they don't, don't. Some people don't believe it. It's true. What they're mm-hmm. saying. Oh, they're yeah. They're just. They're just complaining again. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of oh no, this doesn't exist. And I mean, that's not just from people. Not people. You know, people of of color even saying that on my timeline. Yeah. I have. I have guys that's like, oh, no, this don't exist anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but you also live in a high rise in California. And, you know, you're like a well-known person. You probably don't get bothered because you're not in the city. Also, let's look at this. Okay, let's let's look at this. Well, my generation, we had our kids and Mm -hmm. we did our best to keep our kids out of certain places. I mean, growing up, you know, the. Depending on what city we lived in, when you when you're military, you didn't have to go through those things. So there are no, a lot of I, black kids who didn't go because they were military brats or whatever. <laughs> Did you just call me a military brat? Yeah, you were a military brat. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so you may or may not have gone through it. I've got a lot of coworkers who are around your age who, mm-hmm. who say, "Well, I have black friends." Just because you have black friends, it was a little <laughs> more prominent these days with black and uh, black and white kids are friends. But yeah. still, you still are not walking in his shoes just because you might go out together or or come over. You He might come over your house. Mm-hmm. You're still not really experiencing the things that he experiences when he goes home. If he still if he lives in a city or when you're out driving at night, you're still not experiencing those things that he's experiencing when he gets stopped by the cops. The, mm-hmm. the experiences are just two totally different experiences most of the time. I, I had somebody recently. um 
one of my friends um, who is Caucasian, they they asked me because I think a lot of people now who are truly friends with people of color, they're like, okay, what what is explain some things to me? They're like really, really wanting to listen at this point. And they're like, okay, what what is going on? And they, they asked me, like, have you have you ever had bad run ins with the police? And I said, yeah. And they were like, really? And I was like, well, what what is why are you so surprised? And they were like, because you, you know, you're like, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't know what that is. Explain. You know, you kind of, you're not like you're, you don't live in the ghetto or you're not like, you like police. You know, you, you do, you know, you're, and I'm like, that doesn't mean anything because when you get stopped, they don't automatically know that stuff. They don't know that my father's a police officer. They don't know that I like police officers. They don't know that I like law enforcement. They have no idea what I do for a living unless I, they stop me in a uniform. They have no idea. So if their attitude is already how their attitude is going to be, it has to change during the process of y'all communicating. It can't, it, you know, you can't tell them how to come up to the car. And, and I just explained, like, a lot of times in Buffalo, the biggest problem in Buffalo is, is it's a lot of it is, is the hood. Like you, it's, it's you got to go really to the outskirts to go. My city and be is like, stop, oh. stop talking about my city. Like <laughs> it's, it is not. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's the hood. The, it's the, it's the not all the hood. See, you know Honestly, what it is? I didn't Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, you know, there's four sides of Buffalo. You have your east side. You, yes, we're getting off topic here. There's the east side. There's the west side. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, Dad. Black people, you mainly stay on the east side. You can be I've a been to all the east side, but all of Buffalo. Buffalo is not hood. The Maybe west the side east... is the hood too. The east okay. side has a nice area, like right across from my high school. Right across from Bennett is a very nice That's area. But if you North go in Buffalo. that area, if you go in that area, they're gonna be like, "Do you live here?" And I actually know that for a fact because I had a friend whose dad owned a house right on on that side. And when we would get pulled over coming and going, do you live over here? Okay, That's but what am Buffalo. I getting stopped for? You know, I mean, it, you get it, and you know, Chica Waga. Yeah, Soon yeah, as, every, yeah, time I, I, yeah. every time I go home. So if you guys don't know that you're listening, I used to have a baby blue Jaguar XF. That car was the only car I think I've ever had that did not have tents, did not have rims, did not have beats in the back. I used to be a very thank hood goodness. child, even though thank I didn't goodness. grow up in the ghetto. So that God, car was a car that I didn't have anything. But do you know that car got me pulled over more than any other car? That car got me pulled over so many times. And the same, and the same question would be, whose car is this? How do I answer the question? I'm usually very I don't really get upset at things like that because I know the car is mine. I know it's insured. I know this. I know that. Well, so it's I stole like, it last night. You don't really, yeah. You don't really get mad. Like it, it's all about attitude too. And if it, and for me, I'm not. I don't really feel the need to be like, why you stop me? Why you stop me? Why are you asking me that? I don't really feel the need to be like that at the moment. So I usually be like, I, I mean, I've said excuse me one time, like excuse me, and then you know. Well, you know, because in reality, what, what kind of question is that? So if you ask them the question back or you'd be like, what, what are they really supposed to say? Like, usually they get stumped like, well, you know, license registration or something like that. They skip over it. But I haven't stopped and basically got off with a warning because I think they said I um, the last time it happened, it was it was like crossed over one of those, um, you know, when you're merging and it's like line, line, lines and then the lines mm-hmm. go away and you can merge. Whatever that was, they said that my back, my back tires went over the lines. So he pulled me over because the back tires went over the lines. But when he pulled me over, he didn't right away ask for my license registration. He looked at my car and said, whose car is this? Now, I'm small. And sometimes if you're looking from the back, I used to wear hats all the time. I would look like a guy because I got my hat on and whatever. Now I got hair and stuff. So, But, I mean, that question alone is kind of a bias out of that person's mouth. And a prejudice out of that person's mouth. You're telling me that I look like the type of person who can't have this car? And who, man, who cares? As long, and the thing is, who cares who cars is as long as it didn't come back stolen? It's not your concern. Yeah, but, and they is didn't it, even. Is, it, is the car reported stolen or didn't say officer? It doesn't matter whose car it is. Exactly. But 
when you go into a neighborhood and you're a white guy driving in that car, you're not going to get pulled over and they're going to ask you who car this is. They're going to ask you what they're supposed to ask you for your license registration. I'm pulling you over for whatever, whatever. But I don't think people like which, which, when I told her that story, she kind of was like, wait, they ask that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, they don't ask it to you <laughs> in my head. But I was like, you know, and I just think people don't realize that even if you're friends, just like you said, there's no way that you can walk in their shoes and, and, and experience the same exact things that they have experienced. Have I experienced brutality to the point where we see on TV? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I've, I've met a lot of good cops and I've let, I met cops that are just retarded, but they were retarded out of the uniform. And I think people forget to humanize police officers as well. These people live lives. These people live lives before they put on the uniform and after. And if if you're an a-hole before you got the job, you're probably an a-hole after you got the job. It's not really the police. It's this person. Mm-hmm. It's but this that person, person. That person can make 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 cops look bad. Yeah, absolutely. So that one person. All it takes is one person to make a whole district or, you know, one or two people yeah. to make a whole district look bad. I or mean, look at the pl- George Floyd. Whole this whole or hold a pl- of this whole department. Exactly. This one guy about getting rid of the whole police department. Yeah, they talking about getting rid of the whole police department. But I mean, I think people, I think people who are watching this stuff really think it's really just about the one incident and the one guy, and it and it's not. It's just it's kind of like a a, a levy broke, and now it's just fed up. Everybody's like, okay, this is just ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And all the all the some people aren't just don't they dry, lost their mind. Yeah, some people lost their some people lost their mind. Um, you know what? I want to ask this question. This is sort of off this topic, but I want to ask about like if you ever came to a call or you ever encountered a situation in like the security for that building or that store or whatever responded first. What is your what it what is your idea of the relationship between security and police like because i've had situations where police just be like shut up or not to me but i've seen it like people be like you're just security guy i ain't trying to hear what you got to say i don't don't really you know police look down on security i mean that's been a stigma i don't think it's that much of a stigma now because i think different security uh companies are taking a more tactical and a more uh first responder type towards their contracts but what is your idea on the relationship between security and police? That also depends on the police officer. Um, mm. you, some people look down on security. I mean, I don't look down on anybody. I, I think, you know, when you come someplace and the security officer, he's the first person you come in contact with if, if he was the first person there. He's a yeah. professional witness. Yeah. I mean, he should be. He observer. He should he be, should be <laughs> observing <laughs> everything that, that happened. I don't mm-hmm. expect him to be beating anybody up or anything like that. <laughs> If you yeah. can, if you can get somebody in handcuffs or whatever without any incident or anything like that, and and hold them to the police and observe everything that you saw, and, and go from there, and then and then write a statement and give the statement to the police. I I think they're invaluable too, but you do have some police officers who just don't want to hear anything from you, and I think that's that's crazy. That's getting this badge going to your head and just think because you're a police officer, you're above everybody else. Which I, it's yeah. it's like the same thing with corrections. You have some police officers. Who don't think corrections officer? They're in jail. They 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 put up with people. The people you re- <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do I couldn't do corrections. I don't want to be stuck in there. So do corrections they're, at they're, all. they're they are law enforcement agents. They just do it differently. So to me, I I kind of lump everybody in the same thing. You're just a different type of law enforcement. There's you know there's people who've gone to school for it, the academies, mm-hmm. and there are people who. You know who've gotten certifications and just for over over years who, you know who have gotten experience in what they do with security, you know yeah. observing, um, observing, making statements and and just mm-hmm. you know, just taking care yeah. of where you're where you're at. So it's yeah. pretty much to up to the officer. Um, yeah, you have some buttholes. Individually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, thought, I mean, if you could make. Less work for me by me coming there and you telling me what happened and having the statement and having having video having everything there when I get there. Hey, you're my best friend. (laughs) You're my best friend. (laughs) Less work for me. I just got to take all that and put it on the report. I'm just gonna go what you what he said. What is one? 
what is the what is one thing you can say is the worst one a bad one of the bad things or one of the worst things about being in law enforcement? You you see a lot of different things. You see, you know, I mean, I've been on calls where uh, people treat their kids like crap. I've been yeah. on calls where people treat their parents like crap. Um, yeah. You, sometimes you can just see a lot of bad things as far as how people treat each other. Um, and you has have there to been a, process that. a situation that's really like taken a, a mental or emotional toll on you before? Nah, because I like everything. You know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. Every, I process everything. I process yeah. everything differently. So yeah. and I, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer of what happens at work stays at work. I mean, I've yeah. had stories, you know, m- more accidents that would get get uh if I if I had to process something that, that I couldn't process. Maybe accidents. Mm. You see, you see some gruesome things about accidents, but I mean, yeah. I've been doing this so long, and just you know, I've got to the point where they don't bother me. So, if if you're someone new and you can't put stuff like that away, it will bother mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Now, this is this is this is before I, I wrap it up and let you go because I, I think I I kind of promised you 35 minutes, but we definitely went over that. Um, you're you're a good um. You're a good guest, by the way, in case you didn't oh, know that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a lead thing. It's a lead thing. We just um, natural talkers. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. It's just naturally coming out. Um, my question is, uh, my mom made a hashtag. I remember her. Um bre- oh Lord have mercy. My that's another show. Um, my mom made a hashtag brown with the batch because she this whole thing has taken a toll on her, of course, because her ex-husband is a police officer, her son, her daughter, you know, they run around. She's really been worried about me going out and oh, serving. Um, your brother and he's calling while we're talking. <laughs> um, he, she's been worried about me um, going out uh, serving uh, warrants and court papers and things like that because of the way people have been opening the door and reacting to people of color coming into their neighborhoods and stuff like that. But w- w- with you, how difficult is it to be brown with the badge? Like, from from all the sides, from the sides of other people of color, from the sides of people non of color. Like, is it difficult right now to be brown with the badge? Because I'm people that I'm watching these videos. People are like, "Oh, you're a traitor! Oh, you're Uncle Tom! Oh, you this! Oh, how could you be a cop and they're killing us?" Da-da-da-da. Have you have you experienced these kind of conversations, or have you experienced anything? Brown with being brown with a badge. Uh, we pulled this. We one of my officers pulled someone over, a black guy, mm-hmm. and the officer who pulled the guy over was black. So it was me, another black officer, and a white officer. So mm-hmm. the guy, his license was suspended, his registration was suspended, and the guy had another person in the car with him. Um, mm-hmm. So what my officer decided to do is what he decided to do was. And it also was a pickup order on the tags. So we had to take the tags. So what my officer decided to do was write the guy tickets. Very polite, mm-hmm. very professional. And but the black guy, he he's a little militant. And his question was, how can you be a police officer? How could you arrest mm-hmm. your own people? Black people shouldn't be police officers. You know who the first mm-hmm. police officers were? They were overseers. Mm-hmm. So we're still being polite to him. So the officer writes tickets, <laughs> yeah. writes tickets for him. And I asked him, I said, well, has anybody here been disrespectful to you? Has anybody treated you wrong? Because that's a big, big, big thing with me. You can't treat people wrong. And I don't care what mm-hmm. they say to you. Just, just don't, don't, don't fall into it. So <laughs> his thing was, so, he, so what we decided to do was we had to tow the car. We had to take the tags. So we gave him a ride off the roadway. So I had this guy in my car. And I said, so what you're telling me is black people should not be police officers. So the only police officers should be white people. So you're telling me that white people should police us, should arrest us. None of us should be on the inside. Mm-hmm. I said, I want you to think about that. So mm-hmm. then it would truly be like back in the day where you had the slave owners, overseers, and stuff like that. Only The only yeah. police officers are white people. And I told them, I do what I do right now. I like what I do. I do what I do. 
to protect my family, the community, my officers, the people who work with me. And I figure if I wasn't here, somebody else would probably be doing a job and doing it worse. And there would yeah. be somebody who didn't care about black people. There'd be mm-hmm. somebody here who didn't care about women, Hispanics, or anybody. So yeah, you, you can't you, you can't not have black people be police officers. I I feel mm-hmm. like I'm here. I make sure that my officers respect people. I'm I make sure they, you know, they do the, they do their jobs and do it the right way. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be a police officer under me and disrespect or do things that you're not, not supposed to do. But yeah. in the same respect, I'm not going to let somebody disrespect one of my officers. So, um, so I, I, I do my best to make sure everybody's polite on on both sides. Yeah. Um, so, I just feel that we we're we're needed. Black officers are needed because if if yeah. not, who's going to look out for us? Not not all. You know, they want to. You can call them sellouts if you want. I don't consider myself a sellout. Yeah. Because if I wasn't here, somebody probably worse would be in my position. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a weird philosophy. I think it's a weird philosophy to say you shouldn't be you shouldn't be a police officer. You you're you're black. But then at the same time say they don't care about our community, they don't love us. But you also don't want people who do care about your community and who do love you to go into law enforcement. It's like you, it's an accident. Like, why? How can you want both things? How can you say you both things? And can't have it can't, both ways. Can't have it both ways. I, I think it's the stupidest thing that people do say. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like it's like saying that they don't put supermarkets in our communities. Or targets in our communities, and we get mad, you burn them down. Okay, well, you think Target is coming back? You think that supermarket is coming back? Or you say they don't care about this, they're only here for our dollars. Okay, they're only here for your dollars, but you have a supermarket there. When you burn it down, mm. you think they're coming back? Mm. No. I, you, you know, I'm ways. on uh, Brantley Avenue, and I did not understand. I think that experience did a lot for me because what I did not understand is I did not understand the word food desert. I didn't understand that phrase until I lived there. And if and nobody, if you're, if you're, miles. yeah, you're not. The closest thing was a well, the closest thing was a dirty Chinese food restaurant, but. I wasn't going there because there's a lot of uh, gathering on the corners, I guess you could say. Um, so, I don't know what they were doing because I, I, I drove past them, you know. Thank goodness I had cars because I drove past them. But if you don't know where Brantley Avenue is, it, it, you know, most of the things next to anything called Martin Luther King Boulevard is the hood. So um, I lived there. I owned a studio there so I thought it would be really smart to work and live in the same place but I did not understand food desert until I lived in this area where there was nothing to eat in walking distance you literally had this random red lining type highway that didn't lead to anything coming through the middle of the neighborhoods you had to go past that yeah the highway to nowhere you had to go past that to get to a McDonald's and of course, McDonald's isn't healthy, so you weren't getting any smoothies. There's no Nally Fresh. There's no nothing. And I just there's was no like, supermarkets. I think that there's no supermarket. I think the definition is no no supermarkets or anything or 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 there stores no, with I think within one to four miles. Not CVS. There wasn't a Rite Aid. There wasn't a, a supermarket. The closest Rite Aid had to be had to be a couple of miles up the street past the train station. And it was just kind of like wow. If this is your life, if you were born in this area and then you grow up in this area and then you continue to live here and you raise your family in this area and you kind of don't get out of that, then, yeah, you're going to look at police and you're going to look at the government in this in, in the society a different way than somebody who left that area or never lived in that area and goes live in Columbia, Maryland. And I think that's what we're missing right now with this whole thing is your experience is definitely going to be different than somebody else's experience. I lived in Columbia, Maryland for two years, and I have never seen so many happy people in my life. Everybody happy. The police happy. 
Black people happy, white people happy, the people at the stores is happy. Can I get you a bag? Here you go. Trader Joe's is overly happy. I just never seen anybody so happy living there and then coming from Brantley. It's like two different worlds. And it's like two different types of police officers. The Howard County Police Department, I've never had a horrible interaction with Howard County Police Department. I literally had coffee with these people in Starbucks talking about tattoos. And they don't know me for Adam. They're just very friendly. And I think it's because of where they work. They don't really deal with a lot of hate. And they don't really have the need to spill out a lot of hate. So they're different than dealing with Baltimore City getting pulled over by Baltimore City police is a totally different thing. Different things run through your head. Different fears run through your head. Everything. So I just think that when you said it's mindset, going to work, you need empathy and sympathy. I think those are the things I want people to really take from this episode is is, is having those principles when you do do the job. As a law enforcement officer, yeah. As law enforcement officers, because people who listen to this are a lot of security officers who want to be uh, law enforcement so and, and a they, security officer because I've been places where security officers will follow you around the store. So let's let's say security officers yeah. also. Not everybody who security. walks in the store is, is there to rob you. I've been followed around the store and I'm like, I just came to get band-aids. I mean, they only three dollars. I'm not stealing yeah, the band-aids. But I mean, the security, I mean, that would be a whole nother hour long show. Like you have some security people who couldn't get through the police academy. So they come become security and their chip is so big that they end up doing all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They end up doing all kinds of stuff because they couldn't get that authority. But just imagine if they could have gotten that authority, it would be even worse. So, I mean, we're not even going to go there because I, I could I could talk about that for days. But I just wanted to reiterate those kind of things that you said that I really want people to take with them when they go on duty tonight or when they listen to this episode and they'd be like, you know what? I just thought about the fact that um, Jasmine's daddy said, uh, you know, empathy and sympathy. You know, you might not have it, but you, you probably could tap into it. If you got kids, you, you, it's in you somewhere. If you have family, it's in you somewhere. You just have to put it towards people you don't know. And I think that's hard for people sometimes. No, but, not if you try. If you try, a lot of people don't think to try. So if wrapping it up, if you had to give somebody who's coming into law enforcement one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Treat everyone how you want your family to be treated. Oh, that was so nice. So that's if you, you wouldn't throw you your grandma over, you, nobody you want- else that's right. Treat how your family to be treated. Pull somebody over. Treat them how you want your mother to be treated. Mm. Have That's you it. have have you? Do you have any advice? Because I I know you, once upon a time ago your son always wanted to like do SWAT. Do you have any advice for people? Because I I kind of get random questions in my inbox and I'd be like I don't know the answer. But do you have any advice for people who want to come into the police department and go like straight to SWAT or straight to these specialty um, parts of the department? What What is your advice to those I, people? I think before you do anything you should spe- spend at least five years on the street. Get to know That's your right. job. Get to learn your uh-huh. job. Get to know people. Get to learn how to speak to people. and Get to learn how to use verbal judo. How to talk your way out of situations. How to talk people down before you go off to these other units. Learn how to be a police officer first before you go anyplace else. Learn the job. Mm -hmm. And then go do something else. All right, this is my last question. How important is de-escalation in your mind? It's very important because that's the basis of everything that's going on right now. If you don't know how to talk to people, Mm -hmm. I mean, escalates to something that didn't have to be. Uh, Really? Why do you think why do you think it's so skipped over? Like, why do you think it's things impatience. escalate so fast? Impatience. In, mm. Impatience. Impatience. Yeah. And, you know, that you sometimes people let the badge go to their head. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Yeah. You know, what if they don't do what they tell you to do? What you tell them to do? Then what? Mm-hmm. You're just going to well, beat yeah. them up or just arrest them? <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes you have to take a different approach, approach when you talk to somebody. You might start out with one tactic. It doesn't work. Well, let me try this. It may work. Well, let me try this. This may work. Yeah. Not everybody is the same. Not everybody's had the same experiences. Not everybody speaks the same way. Not everybody deals with the police the same way. 
And so you, it's your job to find out what's the best way to de-escalate this situation. Make it yeah. A game. Yeah. And sometimes you can't, and you have to do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, but but the bottom line is at least try. At least try. try. It can be done. At least try. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna let you have your Thursday back. I'm gonna let you have the rest of your day back. I, I appreciate you coming on there, Dad. That this is great. You know, um, dropping some wisdom and some jewels on us. All right, Jasmine Lee. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Only my parent would come on and say my whole name. All right. So thank you, and um, I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, baby girl. Bye. What's up? That's the end of the episode. Thank you for sticking around. That was my dad. I'm very grateful for the guy, but I'm also very grateful for everyone who listens and supports this podcast. If you would like to support the podcast in a different way, there is a link in the bio of each episode. Click that link and donate to this podcast. So after this COVID-19 thing is over, we can start having job fairs. We can start having it live interviews, tours of facilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're definitely trying to take this show to the next level and continue shining the light on the great people of this industry. And if you would like to support us on our social media, you can follow us on Instagram at Industry Talk Podcast, Facebook Industry Talk Podcast, and you can follow me and I am Jazz the CEO on all social media platforms. If you like your business or your product featured on the show, we are doing product features on the show. DM us on Instagram or email me at I am Jazz the CEO at gmail.com. Thank you.